Today we're doing something odd. It really is odd, isn't it? Three people, well, a fourth if you include me going along with them, are going to go down into that water and get completely drenched. It really is an odd thing to do. In fact, a few years ago, there was a visitor here for a baptism who said afterwards, I didn't think you were really going to do it. I never thought you really were going to. I thought it was just all talk. I thought it was just some bizarre joke. Never thought you were going to actually put people in that water and they come up all drenched. What are you doing? What are we doing? What an odd thing. Why do we do it? Where did it come from? Well, we're going to go back to the origins of baptism, the first mention of baptism, to learn why it is we do this. But in the process, I hope that we'll learn a lot more than just what baptism is. Because to go back to the origins of baptism, we need to go back to a prophet who baptised people, but he did a lot more. He also preached a message from God. So as we listen to him, we'll get some information about what's going on with baptism. But we'll get more than that. Uh, We'll also hear God's challenge and his good news. The prophet was John the Baptist. He was this wild character living in the wilderness of Judea just before the time that Jesus became publicly known. And he baptized people, but he also had a message. And I want you this morning to hear what would John the Baptist say to you? What would he say to you and to me? Let's find out by turning again to Luke chapter three. If you've got a Bible with you, if you haven't, don't worry. I will read you the parts you need to hear. Luke chapter three. Let's hear some of John the Baptist's main themes. What would he say to you? I've got five things he would say to you. And uh, here's the first one. He would say, repent. He'd say, repent. Crowds of people had gone out from the towns into the wilderness to see this big character in his camel skin coat and hear what's his, this message he's got and to be baptized. But his greeting to them was pretty rough. Verse seven, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God could raise up children to Abraham. These people coming out to John, they were descendants of Abraham. They were from the ethnic group God had chosen to bless and to make his people. They had privileges you could not put a value on. And yet John says to them, That's not enough. That's not enough. You need to repent. To bring it into our situation, if if you maybe children sitting here this morning, if you have Christian parents and you're brought along to church, that's a great privilege that you cannot put a value on. But it is not enough. It doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you part of God's family. John the Baptist's word to you would be repent. You need to repent. Now, what is this repenting? Its meaning, its basic meaning is very simple. It means turn. To repent means to turn. Children, there there was a mother and a little son of hers playing in a field. 
as often happens. He would run and she would chase him and he would run and she would chase him. But after a while playing in this field, well, the little boy started to run towards the end of the field. And there at the end of the field was a railway line, not fenced off. And the boy ran. What did the mother do? Well, she shouted, stop, stop, turn, turn, turn away. Not that way. Stop and turn. Sadly, the boy thought it was just another game and he went on his way. She was calling for him to turn, calling for him to repent. And that's basically what John the Baptist's message was. Turn from, well, what from? Verse three says he preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. His message was turn from sin. Turn from acting as if God isn't God. That's what sin is, acting as if God isn't God. When I was a boy, I remember going with my father to give his boss at work his Christmas present. We turned up at the house of his boss and talked on the doorstep to his boss and his wife for a while. I remember as I went away saying to him, saying to my dad, they're such nice people. They're such friendly people. They're good people. And my dad saying, yes, yeah, yeah, they're good people. Uh, I've got a lot to be thankful for having him as my boss at work. But he said, if you mention anything about God to him, if you mention anything about what God expects of him, well, you'll see a different side. You'll get a reaction. Then you'll see what he's really like inside. He wasn't denying he was a good boss. But what's he like towards God? That's the issue that showed up the heart. When what God expects of you cuts across your ambitions for your life, your idea of who you are, what it is you want, what's the reaction? What's the reaction? Because that more than how you treat other people, more than when you're a nice person at work or school shows up. Do you treat God as God? Does he set the agenda for your life? Does he have the right to command you or is he an irrelevance or maybe someone to call upon occasionally to help you out if you want some help? Or is he your creator who has the right to rule you, to set the agenda for your life? John the Baptist says to you, repent, turn from treating God as if he's not God. Now, turning always involves turning away from something and towards something else. What are we to turn to? Well, that gives us the second thing John the Baptist would say to you. Here's the second thing. Jesus is great. That's probably the the biggest thing he'd want to say to you. Jesus is great. Now, John the Baptist was causing such a stir. People were wondering, who is this big character? Was he the Messiah? Messiah and Christ are the same thing, just in two different languages. And they both mean the promised priestly king that God would send. Was John the one? Well, let's read verse 15. The people were coming expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. In other words, John is saying, no, I'm not him. He's going to come and he is in a league far above me. 
such a league far above me. Back in those days, if a teacher had disciples, they were expected to do all sorts of jobs for him. They weren't just like pupils at school. They were also a bit like servants and they were to serve their teacher. And the rules basically said the teacher could ask them to do any service apart from take my sandals off, undo them and take them off. Because that's just insulting and demeaning, isn't it? It was just seen as too humiliating a job. That's rather understandable, isn't it? You know, if Anthony says to me now, uh, Joseph, take my shoes off for me. And uh, well, I can't. I've got to keep my social distance. But uh, it'd be pretty insulting, wouldn't it? It's, we'd all be a bit embarrassed, wouldn't we? And yet John says, I'm not worthy to do that job for this person coming. He's talking about Jesus. Now, is it just a figure of speech? Yes, John wants us to know that Jesus is great. So he's got this figure of speech. I'm not. I'm not worthy to undo his shoes. And of course, he's exaggerating. Of course, of course to undo his shoes, he's worthy you know, to undo someone's shoes. Well, let's have a think about that. Is John just exaggerating? Let's think about it this way. John says, I, I couldn't I'm not worthy of getting even near Jesus feet. Now, how near could you get to the sun? I mean, S-U-N. Children, how near do you reckon you could get to the sun? I'm told a standard spacesuit can withstand up to 248 degrees centigrade. And you would get to that temperature if you're three million miles from the sun. And by the way, you'd never get to three million miles uh, of the sun because the radiation would have killed you first before the heat burns up your, your spacesuit. And Jesus made the sun and all the stars and the Pacific Ocean and you. John is not exaggerating. He is understating. We are not worthy to get anywhere near Jesus. John's message to you is he wants you to know Jesus is great because he's God become man. And because of what he'd do of what he'd do. So that leads us to the third thing John would say to you. We've had repent. Jesus is great. And thirdly, Jesus gives the reality behind the symbol. That's the third thing he'd say to you. Jesus gives the reality behind the symbol. Now, what symbol am I talking about? John is setting up a contrast and it's in verse 16. Let's read verse 16. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John is setting up a contrast. I baptize with water. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. They are contrasted, but they are clearly linked in the way he's speaking. John's saying, I give you the symbol. Jesus gives the reality behind the symbol. Children, do you know what a symbol is? You look at a map and on the map there is a dot, a circle with a cross on the top. What's that? Well, it's a symbol saying there is a church with a spire. Church with a spire is the reality. 
the circle with a cross on it is the symbol representing it. And John is saying Jesus gives the reality. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. I give the symbol that represents it, baptizing with water. So what does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? If that's the reality, what does it mean? Well, it means God's spirit working in us such a change, a change in what we trust in, a change in what we aim for, a change in what we love, a change in our attitude to ourselves and to God. Such a change. It can be called having a new heart. It can be called being born again. That's being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It will help us to get this if we think about some of the things that the Bible links together. So in the New Testament, you find when people were baptized in water, like we're going to do later, it was how the Christians welcomed people into God's kingdom. They said, now you're in God's kingdom. You're part of God's family. This is us welcoming you in. But what did Jesus say about getting into God's kingdom? He said, you can't get in unless you are born again by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, that makes sense of what John says here. He says, I give you the symbol, baptizing you with water. But Jesus gives the real thing, the Holy Spirit, who brings you into God's kingdom. He works in you a change in your status with God and a change in your attitude towards God. That's the reality being symbolized here this morning by water baptism. But John said two things, didn't he? Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, that's really odd, isn't it? I'm sure that uh, Katie, Ran Ran and Lubo are glad we're not baptizing with fire. In, we've got water, not a pit of fire here this morning. What do you mean baptized with fire? Well, fire in the Bible is often about purifying. When people mine for silver or for gold, what do they get? Well, they get silver or gold ore in rocks mixed in with a load of impurities. It needs to be refined, have the impurity removed. And not today. It's done differently today. But back then in Bible times, it was done with fire, heated up with fire. It's about purifying. Now, again, water baptism is the symbol. Jesus gives the reality and it's fairly obvious to see. It's saying this. John's baptism with water washes washes your skin, but Jesus can wash away your sin. That's what he's saying. Simple. Well, simple. But how? How does Jesus wash away our sin? What is it that Jesus does? There's a strange thing that Jesus said a little while later. If you've got a Bible, you might like to look at Luke chapter 12. If not, I'll just read you two verses. Luke chapter 12, verse 49 and 50. Very strange statement. Luke 12, verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is completed. Strange statement, but it basically means this. Jesus was going to go through a baptism of fire. 
the fire of God's right punishment of sin was going to fall on Jesus as he died on the cross. And it happened so he could take the punishment we deserve so we could be free of that punishment. In other words, so we could be clean of our sin. All our guilt paid for, taken by him. That's how he washes away our sin. That's what this this morning is a symbol of. Now, that makes a really big difference to the first thing we heard from John. Do you remember the first thing? So important. He said, repent. You see, without what Jesus does, repenting would just be another self-improvement project. It would just be like so many religions of the world. Come on, sort yourself out, improve yourself. But it's not that once we factor in what Jesus has done, because now we find repenting is turning to trust him. Repenting is saying, Jesus, I'm unclean. Please, you wash me. Repenting is saying, Jesus, I need you to change me. There are things deep down that I, I can't, they're beyond me to deal with. Please, by your spirit, you change me. Repent. Jesus is great. Jesus does the reality behind the symbol. But fourth one. John would say, but the symbol still matters. Baptism with water can't change you and it can't make you clean. Only Jesus can. But John the Baptist still baptized people. He still told them to be baptized. Because the symbol still matters. I hope this illustration works. I don't know. We'll try it out. Um, In the last Olympics in 2016, Elaine Thompson was the 100 metres champion because she received the gold medal on the podium. Now you say that's not quite right. She wasn't the 100 metres champion because she received the gold medal on the podium. She was the 100 metres champion because she won the race. Well, yes, true, but still going on the podium and receiving the gold medal, it still matters Because it's the authorities making clear we declare her the champion. We recognise her as the winner. Now, I hope you can see a little bit of a parallel. Baptism doesn't bring you into God's kingdom. It doesn't wash away your sins. Only Jesus can. But baptism is making a statement. The statement is Jesus is giving this to you. And I and you are trusting him for it. It doesn't do it, but it's making a statement that Jesus is giving this to you and you can be confident he is. And you are making a statement. Yes, I'm I'm taking hold of it and I'm trusting him for it. It would be very odd. In fact, it would make no sense at all to say I'm trusting Jesus for salvation, but I don't want to show it in the way he tells me to. If there's anyone here and you are repenting. And you are trusting Jesus, but you haven't been baptized. Well, he does say to. So get on and do it. Those who take the Lord's Supper here, you're making a statement that you are repenting and trusting the Lord Jesus. It's very odd to make that statement, but to say, but I won't make the statement Jesus says, which is to be baptized, to show I'm in his kingdom. So John would say. It is a symbol, but the symbol still matters. 
Last thing he would say, well, he might have many more things, but the last one I'm going to tell you is this. It's urgent. John would say it's urgent. Let's go back to verse 16. In chapter three, Jesus baptizes with fire. You see, I've only told you one side of it. The Bible gives two meanings to fire. The last book of the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible, before you get John the Baptist, just just before you get him, you have this book of Malachi and it prophesies John the Baptist coming. And it says he will come to prepare the way and then God will come. And it says when God comes, he will come like fire. And it describes that fire doing two things. Some it will purify. It will change them. It will cleanse them. But some, those who refuse to repent, it will destroy. You can read both. And it's explicitly linked to John the Baptist in Malachi. The fire will purify some. But those who hold out and say, no, I'm I'm just going to carry on my own way. It says the fire will destroy. The fire is another symbol. It's a symbol of God's terrible punishment of sin. That's what John is talking about in verse seven, where he says, flee from the coming wrath. It's what he's talking about in verse 17 when he talks about chaff, the the waste stuff being burnt up. So John is saying to you, it's urgent. It's urgent. Repent. Turn from sin. Jesus is great. So get to him and put your trust in him and show that you do. Be baptized. And don't delay. Do you remember the boy in the field? And his mum said, turn. But he thought it's just another game. She comes after him and he thinks, oh, it's just another game. And he runs on. And he runs onto the railway line because it's just a game. This isn't just a game. This isn't just a talk at church because, you know, it's church and the talk is expected. No, it's urgent and it's serious. It's a warning. It's a necessity. And it's good news. There's good news here to grab hold of. So don't keep going your way. There's someone better to go after. Jesus. Turn to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that Jesus is great. He's great in who he is. God become man. He's great in what he's done. The one who made the sun and the stars and yet... And yet came down to this world to take our sin on himself, came for that baptism of fire so we could be washed, not just our skin, but washed from our sin. So we could be changed, not just a bit of self-improvement, but at a deep level, the work of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for Jesus. Please may anyone here who hasn't done so see how urgent it is to get to him, see how desirable it is to turn to him. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.